You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 345, brought to you by the Seagate GoFlex satellite, graphically and iFanboy listeners like you. Fanboy.com, Pick of the Week podcast, episode 345. My name's Paul Montgomery, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Howdy. And Timmy Wood. Why, wait, 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 what's with these names? I could, I could probably explain that. Uh, both Ron and Connor are, are, Lord knows where. I think Ron's in Disney World. I'm not kidding, he's at Disney World right now. And Connor is, uh, I think he's, he's, he's moved to piracy. I, he's on the high seas, as far as I understand. Uh, but they're both gone, so we got we have uh, we have our, our our old buddy Paul, of course, and uh, Timmy Wood, staff writer. First time on the show? Yes, first time. Hopefully, of many. Okay, listen. There are thousands and thousands of people listening, so really don't screw up. It's my ass on the line here. I won't. <laughs> hey, you know what? You called in a heavy hitter, and that's what you're gonna get, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, I'm excited to be here. All right, well, you you put it out there. It's <laughs> up to you now. No pressure. Uh. Paul, continue. <laughs> At iVanboy.com, we like comics, and we read comics, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and then one of us picks the best one and writes about it on the website, and then we talk about it on this year's podcast, along with various other topics of interest. <laughs> if you tried to do that. I'll just continue reading the script that Josh wrote. I have giant balls. That was weeks ago. We've been tripping over it for weeks because we keep forgetting to take it out. I tried to oh. run Burgundy Connor. I almost got him too. <laughs> Before we get to the show, a quick reminder, warning, this is a review show and we will be talking about the things that happen in this week's books. So if you're worried about that, deal with it. I don't care. Die in the street. I don't really I don't care about you. Wow. I like you. That was, that was rough. Wow. Okay. There's the error. This week, Josh had the pick. That's and he chose an acronym. P oh man. Can I just tell you that writing a review with an acronym title is is about as bad as it gets in the comic book reviewing game, which, you know, is to say it's not a bad game to be in. But mm. the B.P.R.D. Uh, it's just terrible. BPRD, Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense, Hell on Earth, Exorcism number two. Uh, it is one of the there, – there are, I think, dozens of BPRD miniseries going on right now. They're a little tough to keep track. It might be two. I'm not really sure. There's tentacles in every pie out there. Yeah, yeah. And and there's like four of them that are also hell on earth, I feel like. That's just, I know- the, that's just the current status quo, but they've really stuck with it and put it in the title. Um, which It's I sort can- of like Plague of Frogs was the first yeah. one, and they're doing those like omnibus collections now. And I guess so now it's they're into the hell on earth phase. So well, it was a little confusing because that's how I read BPRD is by the by hardcover omnibus collection. But I was like, all right, I'm going to be on the show. Josh picked this. It's two issues, so I went and grabbed them, and there were like four hell on earths, and I had to actually do some research. But um, 
I found it and I read it, Josh. But it's your pick, so I'll let you talk. Must have been harrowing for you. Um, (laughs) The uh, it was not a it was not a tough week full of uh, wonderful books. I'll be honest about that. Um, But that was kind of good because every single time that a BPRD issue BPRD issue comes out, I think to myself, "Man, that that's real good." And then I put it in the little list. Uh, of books we need to talk about and then when it gets to me i find i don't have anything to say about it other than hey, that, was, that was real good so i really had to think about it this time and uh and when, and when i was going through looking at um what was happening in this issue it occurred to me a couple things a cameron stewart uh a guy primarily known as being an artist uh a canadian not that i'm holding that against him uh was the writer co-writer with, with mignola whatever however that works uh and artist on this issue and and normally when i think of cameron stewart um i i like i like his artwork a lot it's very clean it's a very sort of uh smooth uh single line kind of cartoony drawing um mm-hmm. good acting uh but but very smooth and and he really roughed it up a lot for this so that it felt like uh, along with dave stewart's colors it felt like uh, a bbrd book it wasn't it wasn't sort of the I don't. I want to call uh, Heron and Crook uh, abstract, but definitely slightly uh, more stylized, I guess. And uh, but Stewart kind of like if you start looking at the faces and and it was just a little more brushy and there was just some more strokes and stuff around around the artwork. And I I, I thought it worked really well. It looked really nice. Um, you know, here's a guy. He's pretty much a veteran at this point. He's been around for a good decade or so. Um, working on all sorts of things here and there's worked with Grant Morrison a bunch of times. You know, he was on Batman Inc. for a little while. He did Sea Guy. He's done a, b- a bunch of things. He's, you know, he's a good storyteller. And I think that for whatever reason, I hadn't noticed, but he fit, his style fit in really well with the BBRD world. And I, I couldn't have told you that uh, beforehand. This is the story of um, sort of a, a, a side quest, I guess, of the, the main agents. Uh, before, they'd mostly focused on, you know, Abe and and Liz and and previously Roger and and Johan and all those people and this is just sort of one of the other agents and it's a little two issue mini which is very cool I really like shorter minis I'm learning after just like a decade of six issue ser- you know arcs certainly um, I like I yeah. love having two three issues to sort of just do something and that's it and you're done um, this one uh, the the agent whose name is completely escaping me at the moment um, Strode thank you Strode Ashley Strode. Um, yeah, go with it. Okay. Uh, she so. she is assigned basically in the last issue. She was, she was assigned to uh, run of the mill exorcism that d- possessed demonic child. She goes there and um, gets her ass kicked by the demon, and so they send her to Otobanga. And Otobanga is uh, he's like a he's like a BBRD operative. He's this little old wizened African priest guy, and um, she learns that his deal is that he has a demon trapped inside of him he's the vessel for this demon and it's been keeping him alive for an unnatural amount of years so when this issue starts they are going to travel inside the the, the spirit realm or whatever to take care of the demon move him out of his prison and into another vessel which is in this instance a goat an innocent friendly goat <laughs> goats are the goats just are creepy i think in general they're they're, they're, See, they're satan that's yeah. what they were trying to do in uh, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, which is a fine film. But Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. Goats right. have those demonic eyes, and <laughs> so, uh, the pupils go the wrong way. So, uh, one of, I mean, so the whole thing, it's just like a, it's a pretty basic exorcism story. Um, it, it's a lot like Sam Raimi's Drag Me. I remember that movie. I saw that. I completely forgot yeah. about it. Um, but, it, you know, from sort of a comic book craft standpoint, it just did whatever it is 
whatever that special magic that Mignola puts in in his co-writing credit for all these things, whatever sort of I call him like a showrunner for the whole thing. He just makes sure everything fits in. It just yeah. it had that BPRD flavor, um, and I really like. I really like the idea that we have been expanding and going and spending other time with other agents and we're getting to know these other people because the BPRD isn't just the sort of top guys in there. It's this whole you know, crew of, of agents and, and you know, people who are in the organization otherwise. And they, these are just you know, workers. This is their job. It's their thing. And, and I really enjoy that sort of blue-collar aspect of it. Every, t- every single time they cut away to like a couple of random agents, they're always complaining. <laughs> like, it's like, ah, management again. Um, but, you know... It's- and- it's a, I, I really appreciate it, yeah, because I, I, I don't read BPRD regularly, but it's I, – I, I think we're so used to stories um, always trying to find that, that twist or that gimmick that they want to throw on it. And sometimes it is refreshing that it's just the, – the gimmick is – it's an exorcism story, and it just, let it, it just lets it be one, and that's why it just takes two issues. And for a second there, I thought it was going to have a, a big twist – uh, towards the end when things are starting to get a little hairy inside the spirit realm. But it, 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 it doesn't. It just plays out simply, and it just lets the characters do what they need to do to tell the story. And that's, and that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. That, that's, that's what I like a lot about uh, all the you know, Mignola-verse kind of stuff is that there's, there's a, a matter-of-fact quality. Very much. And it, it goes right back to you know, the, the bare fundamental concept of, of Hellboy and what he is is that he's this extraordinary you know being but then he says you know oh crap and stuff like that and it's just a very kind of blue collar approach to the paranormal and um, I think there are a lot of things that try to do that but none that are as mellow and confident it's, as it's, a Mignola it's, book it's economical and it's sort of clean it's just sort of here's the story this is the stuff that's going on there's no gimmick to it ever yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. That's actually it's a great point. Is that because it's sometimes it's hard to talk about what was good about it. It's just because it's just it's just doing it well. It's you know if you go somewhere for for food and they just make you a really good burger. There's no trick to it. They just do the really basic thing really well. And when it comes to comic books, there's like there's nobody who who's done it as consistently as these Mignola books for you know a couple of decades now. Yeah. I don't know if it's been that yeah. long, but at least ten years. I also think Cameron Stewart's art, like you're right, it does. I, I've been a fan of his too since for a while now, and, it, and looking at it with Dave Stewart's colors, it does. Um, it seems to it add like a layer of depth to it, and it's not like 3D, but it feels more the the shadows that Dave Stewart uses really makes I think Cameron Stewart's art stand out more so than it normally does. Well, if you're gonna which, have anybody color color you. That's the exactly. Guy. That's yeah. the guy you want doing it, which is, I mean, he's sort of the secret link, you know. I think not so much for the story, but by visually tying everything together, by having that similarity, he pretty much colors all the books, other than sort of the rare exception, and and he can make them all, you know, have that same palette, um, you know, which makes uh, Guy Davis flow into Tyler Crook, flow into James Heron, work with Cameron Stewart, like it all sort of works together nicely. Um, and that was that's the good part of that. Uh, you know, it was just it was just a really good issue in in a week. Uh, you know, there's not there wasn't a ton of stuff that that was that was happening uh, in in other books that excited me. It was just a just a really solid issue in in the midst of sort of everything else that was okay. And it was mm-hmm. I was glad to be able to be like, you know what? Let's, I don't I don't know if I've ever given a pick of the week to a BPRD book. Yeah. And well, I think I might I might start reading it in issues now after this. I will tell you. That I started reading the issues just sort of randomly in the middle, 
I don't I don't know when I started. I don't know if it was in the middle of a story or what. I just bought one one day. And I sort of have been buying them all since then. But then I went back and I've been reading the 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 hardcovers. I don't think I only have two of them. Um, it make a lot. It, make, it all makes a lot more sense once I did that. Yeah. I was like, oh, you oh, can't, I you see. can't go doing stuff like that, man. That's you can't go <clears throat> being a maverick like that. It's gonna bite. It's gonna come back and bite you in the ass. It's burning like, the candle on both ends. But yeah. you know what? Sometimes you gotta. It just it just burning the candle from the middle. That's there's. Yeah, no, 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 it no, just no, no, means there. that I get to go back. Yes. And when I hit the part that where I started again, I'm gonna have it's gonna seem slightly familiar, but then also make sense, which is which I think is gonna be pretty sweet. That's, I think that's that now, cool. yeah, now it will. It's true. Uh, moving along, other books from the week. Uh, now, uh, you guys, uh, you guys know that Ramon Perez is a genius, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I've heard this. Yes. Are you telling me you haven't experienced the genius of Ramon Perez? <laughs> yes, but not in the book that you're about to mention. Okay, that's okay. fine. Because you'd that's know fair. if you. If you experienced, yeah, it. you it's just, just you wouldn't have some vague recollection. Um, Paul, you have you been reading this all the way through? Because you were familiar with the text. I believe you were on when when the lat the first one was pick of the week. Yeah, I have been. Unfortunately, my shop didn't have this copy this issue this week, so I can't. And um, that is the other sad than part. say that it's been great, and I can't wait to get my hands on this copy. John Carter, Gods of Mars, number five. This wraps up the five issue miniseries of uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs as comic book translated by Sam Humphreys. Um, uh, and and drawn by Ramon Perez, colored by Jordi Belair, uh, like it, the 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 fifth issue was probably the best issue after the first issue, is, cool, is what cool. I would say about that. It's all pretty consistent. It's got great cartoon cartooning the whole way through, and um, I just what what a really good miniseries, and what a really sad thing that no one is going to read it <laughs> because the movie didn't do well, or because people don't buy things based on how good the cartooning is. People buy things based on for the lar- for the most part, I'm not talking about. Well, there, there's also there's a lot of John Carter and like uh, the Edgar Rice Burroughs and, yeah. and and a lot of that that license is out there and different publishers yeah, and Dynamite. I think like people are so used books. to it not being good and I think much with like licensed like TV and and video game comic books, I think people have to get used to the fact that yeah, there's some of those are really really good and well, you should it- really try them out and um I was very impressed when I I found out about the the creative team for this one because it was it's a different creative team than the first John Carter book that Marvel did. Um uh, they had uh, Roger Langridge and um, Philippe Andrade, if I'm pronouncing that right. And so, so they're, they're like out of left field kind of choices for you know a licensed book like this. But it's it's worked out really well in their favor in terms of critical response. Yeah, well, it's it, it's interesting that I feel like they got those people on the book just before they blew up. So they like yeah. it, you yeah. know these these people who are who are now much much bigger high profile when they started. Um, you know, are, are now way into the thing is, it's not a book that gets talked about a lot. But I, I, I've, everything I've seen from the people who worked on it, from Sam Humphreys to to Ramon Perez to Jordy, like they're all they were into it. They know they did something really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's doing something really good with something that you wouldn't necessarily expect much from. I guess. Like, so what's what's what can we say that's it's really great about it? And I think I think especially in terms of I mean in, in terms of the story, it's it's you know it's otherworldly and it's stuff that. These stories, you know, it's based on on novels and serials that predate, you know, Superman and, and characters like that. So that it's something that doesn't feel like a rehash of stuff. It's it's going back to the source. And then in terms of the art, it's really dynamic. And it's the same of the the previous John Carter book too. Is that like they play with this thing where John Carter is 
you know, he's from Earth, but now that he's on he's on Mars or Barsoom, he can like jump around and stuff. And he's really strong and super agile. And um, they play with that a lot. Well, he, and so like in terms of the world building and in terms of the movement and the superpowers, it's it's uh, pretty cool. Looking. And they don't they don't actually lay a lot of that out in this. You kind of have to just read it and you're part of it. If you didn't read the first one and I didn't and I've never read it, I, I picked this up solely. I saw the names on the front and and I, I just wanted to read it. But okay. this, this one is like a, a culmination of of um, of this story is a lot of action. It's a big fight. Um, and, and Perez actually really gets to pull out some of his tricks here. Like there's scenes where the the whole panel is white and there's sort of scratchy figures on the on the bottom uh all sort of in a melee and you, it's, that's all done in red and then all, over top of them you know you know 20 feet in the air John Carter is flying through the air towards something um and at, and at the end of the story um he loses the thing he'd been looking for the whole time basically uh mm-hmm. and it's really sad uh, a, a door shuts and and that thing is locked inside there and it's it's just like a, a this bittersweet ending, and I don't know if they're going to do any more of these comics. I was about to say, are they following the book? Like Paul, you've read the book, so is John is Gods of Mars the second John Carter book? Is that how they're kind of yeah, following? Yeah, it? they're they're they 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 are following. It's it's tricky though because they would they they would get to a point where John Carter isn't the protagonist anymore. He's a, a secondary character, and then sometimes he's not even really in it that much, and. Um, uh, Th- Thuvia, I'm getting the name right. I she think so. she becomes sort of the the protagonist. So, but yeah, I don't know if they're going to continue on. There's I haven't seen any solicitations for more. Right, and so it doesn't, it doesn't bode well. But either way, we got this. It's, it's really it's really interesting stuff. Uh, speaking of strange other worlds that people have a hard time understanding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was to say. Is uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I interrupt you, but the, you know the end of uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Where you're like, I don't know what is going on, but I'm visually so stimulated that I'm kind of okay with it. That's uh-huh. how I feel about profit almost <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> That's yeah. It's d- depending on the issue. I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I'm getting exactly where he's coming from here. I know what he's doing. I, I get these. Con- That's a cool idea. Then there's issues like this one where it's like, I'm just sort of going along for the ride, and I enjoyed it. Um, but there, there are so many different weird beats and like going into like the root system of a weird tree. And then now we're in outer space. And like, so it's a, it's a, it's a little <laughs> hard to parse everything, but, um, but I still am enjoying it a lot. Um, and I, and I get like, I get enough of it. Um, it's, you know, it's that thing like where they talk about, you know, ER or the West wing, like, you know, just enough of the, the technical jargon of either medicine or, or the law or whatever to, to understand the context of what's happening. Um, and the, you know, human emotion carries the rest of it. That's sort of the way I feel about profit. Um, it's just so many big concepts and, um, the strange, art, strange the art is beautiful. Things. Yeah. Strange sexual <laughs> things. Of course. What's the, what's this, what's the sit rep on this? Where, where are we at? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Okay. And then and 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 I want I want you're cool with that. I'm not and I'm not picking on you because when I say things like this, it sounds like I am. But like, that's what I get about this book. No, I'll be. Like, I would. Uh, I would be. If I'm being totally honest, so that that there's a point where after the first arc of Prophet, it's it's revealed that there are a bunch of Prophet clones, and he like activate he activates them all at and the he end. Activates of the- them all, and then they each follow a different trajectory, and with the art changes because you know there's the 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 regular artist um simon roy i think 
um, you know, has has his stories. And then there's the artist on this one, uh, uh, Milo Giannis, no Giannis, I think is his name. Um, That's a great name. Yeah, and uh, uh, he, he did um, Old City Blues, which from Archaea, which I loved a lot. Um, and then Brandon Graham, who writes the book, also you know he drew the last issue, the previous one. Um, so between the art changes, which I love the different art styles, but between the art changes and then the way he's jumping around in the story, um, maybe just because I'm reading them, you know, month to month and not backed up right together in a collection, um, I find it a little bit difficult to trace which clone I'm watching right now. Well, they all connect a little bit. They all kind of flow. I, I actually, in preparation for the show, I reread all of them leading up to this. And uh, so the end of the first arc, which is the first uh, three or four issues, the right. first John Prophet activates them all. And then the second arc is the two-issue one that Farrell Dalrymple did. That that John Prophet joins with like three other ones, and they awaken the first John Prophet. Right. And that's the John Prophet in this story. And now it's telling the who's he's like an old John Prophet. And he's getting they're telling, older, yeah. They're telling his story and how he's and he's in got love the, with the, the, the light headband thing. Yeah. Which is the cover of the book. It's kind of funny. Um that signature like nineties like Greco Roman wrestling gear. Um but yeah and then he ends up in a giant like space whale in a spaceship and then he turns the spaceship on and it blows the whale apart and now he's rocketing through space. Um it's good stuff. It's cool. I don't, I'm I I, I think whale, I, yeah. I think it'll make much more sense to me when I go back and read it all in one chunk but See we we understand what's going yeah, we on. Get we, it. We, we're smart. We we're get with this. It. We, we got it. We're cool. Godzilla number 3. Um, now this isn't the same one. I've lost track of God. There are more than one Godzilla series. Well, there were yeah, the, the um, King of the Monsters. Um, it started with a Legacy. Bill Hester and um, Eric Powell's on, right. was the ongoing, right. and that stopped. And they had some mini series. This one is written by Dwayne Swarinski, and the art is by Simon Gain. Mm-hmm. And Paul, are you are you reading this? I've been reading this, yeah, um, and I'm especially interested because it, it includes my favorite uh, Godzilla uh, kaiju villain, uh, Angurus. Batra? Oh, sorry. Well, Batra's in there too, but Angurus, come on. He's a big Ankylosaurus. Batra's pretty cool, yo. Anyways, I, I was not too – I did not enjoy the, the first attempt at the Godzilla ongoing, but this one, however, I think is pretty fantastic. Um, basically, it's uh, – the main character, he's getting compared a lot to Jason Statham because he's yeah. drawn to look a lot like Jason Statham. It's and Jason he acts Statham. he acts like what Jason Statham would act like in a movie. Do you know his and name? It's, his name is Boxer. Oh, you just, you, I thought, no, so we're just going to call him Jason Statham. Oh, sorry. That's okay. No, that's Boxer, again, which want. I'd hoped. I'd hoped that his name was so non-memorable. <laughs> that, that, no, but, the, but the basic idea is that it's it's Jason Statham versus Godzilla Monsters. And by this point, he's assembled a little a team. He has his explosives guy. He has a, his ex-girlfriend who's like a scientist and, and gun inventor. And then he has a driver. And they basically form a monster hunting squad. And they kill their first monster. And then they turn to the cameras and they basically say, we can kill all these monsters, but you have to pay us all this money. <laughs> and that's what they do pretty much. 
Yeah, so it's like it's like a street level Godzilla book, which is it's kind of a cool idea. So we don't really um, get to know who Godzilla is, what his motivations are, what makes him sad. No, but we do know that Rodan is pretty pissed because yeah. that's how it ends. I don't. I I love this book, and I I this is kind of. I always feel like Godzilla is a hard book to make a or license to make a comic out of because yeah, the main the title character isn't really uh have a lot of personality. So I mean, is he in every book? Yeah, a little bit. Like he's around the world, stomping things, and then he disappears. But his, his presence is known. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the upcoming the, the James Stoko Godzilla book because wow. um, that's going to be off the wall, and you know he he drew that so um, very much, and that that's cool because it jumps like generations. I think like each issue is in a different decade, which is a, a cool thing to do because um, you know Godzilla changed a lot over the years in the different studios and different film incarnations. So that, that could be kind of cool to see. Don't, don't let me miss that. I want to know about that. I'll, okay. Also I'll the art, the art in this is really fantastic and is not, I think what you would expect from a Godzilla comic. It has a very, um, I don't, I, it has a very, I, I want to say European look to it almost. I'm trying to think of like a good way to describe it, but like, um, it reminds me of like a, Gritty tin tin, almost, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, I don't know, that's Paul. Fantastic. You could. <laughs> so Milton Kniff. No, I don't. Yeah, I, don't I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't, it's, I'm just, <laughs> like the people at but home, like a... oh, he knows his stuff. <laughs> there's a there's a little bit of Guy Davis in there, and the way he draws the monsters and stuff, and yeah. I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting, and I love the details of the the how detailed the cities are in the background that are crashing mm. behind the monsters. It's really fantastic. I highly recommend the Godzilla book. If you tried the other Godzilla ongoing and didn't like it and bailed, you should give this one a shot. The Stoko book is out in August, and it's called Godzilla: The Half Century War. Badass. So check that out. American Vampire Twenty Nine. Um, Connor had said something last issue about how it feeling right uh, with with, um, with Raphael Albuquerque back on art, and I was like, mm. yeah, yeah, you know, it's fine, you know, he's right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was really this time. I was really appreciating Albuquerque. Um, not that I didn't like; it was some great guest artists on this, but uh, you know, he just knows these characters. No, you, you want you want Albuquerque on the main book at least. I think yeah, it's, I think it, it's fun it, to go when, off on tangents with you know. Yeah, when you have Pearl and Skinner in a story, and you and you have Skinner on a leash in that sweet suit. And hat, um, and and then he's the guy. He's the guy to do it. Um, so where are we in time? We're in the we're in the fifties, fifty four ish. And um, Pearl and Skinner are part of um, their agents of whatever this. I forget what the name of this one. Is. There's a lot of acronyms swimming around in my head, but the you know the vampire league hunter people. But it's it's funny that they're they're posing as like you know, the anti-communists and stuff and like they're, you know, working for the blacklist and whatever. And, but it's actually, they're trying to root out vampires. I love the societal overlay that is this book because one thing that's, that Snyder's doing is, is fitting it in between the cracks of history and Mm -hmm. why these things would happen then. And I I always really like doing that. The, the idea that you look back at something historically accurate and say, you're not actually seeing what you think you were seeing. This is what was happening and sort of having it all mostly mesh. So it's a vampire putty. Like going into the into the crevices and the cracks of yeah. of and the nooks of yeah yeah and 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 in that way, 
uh, it gets me past the the over vampirification of comics and this book has never suffered from that it's not a thing but it's one of the reasons why it doesn't i guess um and then one of the i mean for me one of the other i i i love you know going through different historical periods in america i think that that's a ton of fun and this one this 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 period this 50s period is so visually interesting from the sort of clothes and and the way that the the weird movie producer dresses and acts um it's just a lot of fun and just happens to have lions in his backyard yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was such a i was i was like guys come on he's going to feed his cats he's being non-specific about it <laughs> come on and then and then and then skinner gets in a fist fight with a lion which I like because he couldn't change. Or he and and I I do love the tension of there being people trying to keep you know Skinner on a leash, and we've seen Skinner for all these issues leading up to that. You can't possibly contain this guy, so that's going to end bad for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I just I just thought this was a really fun issue. Uh, yeah. In a way, like I hadn't minded the ones before, but this one I was like, oh, actually, I think I like this this arc a lot better than that sort of last one, the sort of greaser one, which uh, mm. which I guess it didn't really speak to me quite as much. Although one of them was pick of the week, I think. On the well, you're com- somewhat of a socia, so I yeah, can understand that. Yeah, on the on the completely opposite scale of of comic books, um, we see a return to the world of Axe Cop with Axe Cop present of the world number one. Um, yeah. You, so you're still down with this because there's there was a good <laughs> chance that 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 maybe this had, this idea had run its course is what I thought maybe. I for me I can see, I could see how some people would just maybe need just one issue of X Cop and that would be their fix and that's all they need. I on the other hand, I could I could take X Cop every month for for. More than twelve months a year. It's in your your Uncle Scrooge vault, and you just want to dive into it. And I love, I love splash it. around. What is it that you? I mean, I you know, massive imagination or? Yeah, I just I think I think the um, I I know it does feel gimmicky that because we know that a kid wrote it, and so like that's kind of half the fun is that kids are have uh a, a unlimited imagination that goes all over the place. But one thing I do like is that it's just I, I just find it really funny and just it's so strange like it, it would when people are trying to be funny like you see the jokes coming sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but when kids they're just it's the reason why kids say the darnest things was the best <laughs> tv show when it was on josh yeah there's <laughs> so anyways, a there's a there's a stream of consciousness thing exactly yeah. to this and book I, that's yeah well i i, I, I wait but I, I would just before we go I'm, i was sort of playing devil's advocate i made no, I, know, I made i, I made yeah. axe cop pick of the week before i read this one um if you don't know it's uh it's the collaboration of a of an uh, now the kid's eight eight years old and his, his older brother uh who draws it and the kid you know blurts out a bunch of story stuff and then they he, they you know the brother turns it into a comic book that makes some sense yeah Not and i lot. think we're, we're all writers here so sometimes whenever we read stories or see movies you can you can start to see where it's going you're like oh i i know what's going to happen in the third act or you know i kind of get what they're setting up here i have when it comes to axe cop i have i have no idea there's no act there's no act there's no structure. act it go it can any in literally anything can happen and that's something that's kind of liberating to read just the fact that I, this it just keeps ratcheting up. It doesn't, yeah. you know, do the the rise and fall of you know tension and, and conflict and things like that and resolution. It's just like, and I love that you can sort of you can trace his decision making process sort of in there sometimes. Or yeah. like something will come up and 
oh, let's have a you know a gorilla, and then he does this, and then but, and then he sort of has to come up with some kind of solution to get to the place where he wants to be, and like it's 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 very like it's kind of it's kind of like bald in that way like you can just you can see everything there the whole process and um yeah as 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 someone who writes I, I kind of it's it's kind of cool to see that because i think we all go through that so to actually just see it on the page is is a lot of fun junior and cobb I, is a great name <laughs> <laughs> and he is a great he shoots things out of his tail it's pretty fit. and i also think you can definitely see the um the the work of the of ethan nicole um, or Nick, Nicole, Nicole, I don't know what Nicole, uh, you can see him starting to like layer, like all the, everyone that becomes a cop gets sunglasses, you know, like mm-hmm. those little details that he adds in there mm-hmm. to keep things consistent. And I think also add a lot to the charm and humor of the book. Mm-hmm. I got to say in a world where I have literally seen everything that comics can do, uh, this one was an original one. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's this isn't this isn't copying something that came before. It's you know, it's this thing. There's there's nothing else like this. It's no. it's cool to have something with this like total abandon and not having to worry about cleaning things up. It just everything works out. Even if it's there's like a Deus Ex Machina kind of thing to to make everything work. Um, yeah, that's just it's that's fun. You can't deny that. Yeah, I'm not I, worried about that. I love that he sent that he gets a message that. And a million years in the future, bad guys are going to attack. So he sends all the heroes into the future, and then it cuts to like a million years later, and they're waiting, and the bad guys don't show up. So he <laughs> just sends them all back home. <laughs> like, I guess I was wrong. Sorry. <laughs> and of course, that backfires on them. Yeah, it's, a, it's a fun book. Does anyone, do you guys know how, how long this one's going? Three, mm-hmm. uh, three issues? I think that's good. Yeah. I think yeah. the last one was four or five, and I was like, all right, that's let's yeah. rein it in for a bit. Uh, I want to take a minute to talk about a sponsor for the episode. Uh, the Seagate GoFlex satellite is the only wireless portable hard drive that streams content to your iPod and up to eight other devices with a 500-gigabyte Wi-Fi access and rechargeable battery. Satellite can carry your entire library of video, music, pictures, and documents to be shared on your iPad or any other device via the free GoFlex media app or web browser. You can check it out by heading to uh, seagate.com slash ifanboy where uh, uh, ifanboy uh, listeners, members, uh, friends can get 10% off uh, by using the coupon code ifanboy, which is pretty cool. I have one. I'm holding one right now in my hand. It's, it's pretty rad. It's, just, it's a little hard drive that has a Wi-Fi thing, and you can send it to whatever it is you're holding. Frank Capra lied. You can take it with you. You can, you can take all of it with you. And yes, I know Frank Capra didn't write that. It's originally a play, but he, he did the movie. Anyway. Moses, Moses Kaufman, right? Kaufman yeah, and Hart. There you go. There you go. That's why I'm on the show. That's why I'm on the show, guys. <laughs> Sweet. Ah, uh, Curtis J. Weeby. You do a lot of books. Debris, number one. Debris, <laughs> number one. Um, I did this in the um the what's it called? The Light Week feature on the website. Um and I compared it to things like Dark Crystal and um something else. I'm completely losing my mind. Anyways, it's. I think that there, there, there was a little bit. I, I heard a little bit of backlash on the site about this because it's been, it's been called a dystopian science fiction story. Don't look at it that way. Look at it as like a new fantasy world because it's more about like magic and stuff. It's not. There's not zombies shambling around. At least not yet. But this, the the idea is there's be. this this little village. Um, it's sometime in the future, and they've is this little pocket of humanity. 
and um, they have to protect each other from these mystical earth forces. This is where it gets a little bit like crunchy granola. Um, the, like, this, these like mystic earth forces, like demons that turn trash into like big monsters. And in this in this issue, it's like a a big serpent thing, like a big looks leviathan, like a chicken transformer. It's an angry bird. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, and there's and there's uh, other creatures that they can ride around on, and and um, they and uh, they wear they wear funny hats, and um, oh, the other thing I was going to compare it to is um, is Miyazaki's uh, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, and um, that's sort of kind of the the costume inspiration. So there's there's a little bit of a of a Japanese influence on the like the design bits of it, um, but it's it's Riley Rosmo doing another sort of complete you know 180 turn from what we're used to see. like every yeah. every time i see his art it's totally different actually i really like that was the thing i i didn't yeah. i didn't love it. it didn't really grab me that much from a story standpoint but i was really impressed by sort of the diversity that that rosmo can show in his art i thought it was i thought it was really nice storytelling and now it just looked looked really clean if you, if you some great up. color yeah. on it it's you know it's really you know bright colors it's like totally different from from green wake mm-hmm. uh, which is very monotone um so yeah and, and I kind of agree. It's it's. I need a little bit more. Um, it's it's very it's very much a setup issue. But um, I'm interested to see where this goes because it's it's a very different kind of world. And um, but yeah, look at it as more of a fantasy than as a, a dystopian future. Even though it's it's kind of bad on these people. Um, but it's I think it's more about discovering strange new creatures and you know different territories of this future world. So awesome. I have a problem with dark avengers and it's that is i it? don't i don't dark, dark avengers 178 uh, maybe it's nine no it was i have it right here it, it, script it, says 178 no, it i is trust eight. the That's script correct. well i did it so it could very well be wrong anyway i don't remember to pick this up <laughs> i don't see it on the pull list i don't because it comes it. out every other week so no it's because i'm looking for thunderbolts and i avoid dark avengers uh, like the plague you so, know what's funny is i feel i was thinking about dropping this when it came, because I did not care for Dark Avengers, uh, the the just the the team. I know people are fans of that book, but those characters in the original Dark Avengers book didn't do much for me. But I will say these Dark Avengers with this issue, not the Thunderbolts part, which are still almost in the majority of the issue. <laughs> it still feels more like a Thunderbolts book than a Dark Avengers book. But the Dark Avengers are actually growing on me. That's what I was trying to say, and I took a really long way to say as it. Long, Sorry. As long as, as, as long as, literally, as long as it's Jeff Parker, uh, with these artists, uh, with a sort of team of quirky people, he switched it up enough times in Thunderbolts that that doesn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. it's literally just don't. I see it and I go, I don't want that, and then I have to remember. Oh wait, no, it is the thing I want, and I realize there are less of me than there are of the other who are buying, who are being fooled to buy it because it says Avengers on it. I guess I hate to say that, but that's the reality. That's why they. No, I, I, I definitely gravitate more towards the Thunderbolts. Of I, I thought that Thunderbolts, you know, the run, um, and it's, it's still continuing into this in, in dribs and drabs. Um, it's just, you know, they they sh- they also shoehorn that the Dark Avenger stuff in there, and uh, but no, I think that's that. I mean, that's some of the best Thunderbolts comics you know around. So it's oh, and it's it's my favorite, um, like Avengers kind of book. So. Um, I, uh, it's it's troubling, <laughs> but and, and not, not as troubling as this man thing speaking. Um, that that can, yeah. can be a little weird. 
Yeah, uh, that's but funny. That's, but that's the thing that that's the thing that Jeff Parker's good with. Like it's it's fun. There, the, yeah. he's got a good sense of humor, and that is very much lacking in a lot of comics. Uh, at that's least fine. according to my sense of humor, I stopped reading Spaceman. I did too. <laughs> so that leaves yeah, okay. Paul. Spaceman. All right. So this is the penultimate issue of at least this arc of Spaceman. I think there's supposed there might be more according to Azzarello. Um, but yeah, at this point, I sort of wish that I'd, you know, read the first issue and been like, okay, this is cool. Let's just wait for the collection. Listen Spice Man, boo. Not so much. Or because? So, oh, uh. There's a, yeah, there's a little bit of that. Um. There's a lot of that, Bama. Get your boss nass out of your system, Josh. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's. It, really, I that's do not a the scary problem. Jar Jar. I, it really I like, hurts. I like I, I I like the um the like gutter speak and like the weird lingo and language going on in this book and it it uh, you sort of have to relearn it each time yeah. you know but um what what does kind of bother me the the, the pacing it like it it's I thought this was gonna be oh cool this is gonna be a great like, world to explore this future world with this like kind of gorilla like spaceman character that's that's like proto-human kind of thing that they sent up into space and there's a bit of a like a murder mystery there and then there's this kidnapping story that involves reality tv and it's there's a lot of meat on that bone and it's it's beautiful riso art um but the thing of the pacing I, I there's uh it's just dragging out a little bit too long that's it and that's what happens that's so that's the thing so like if this were maybe you know a six issue thing um that might have worked better or if there were just different beats or something but um uh, you know, I'm interested in in reading it all together, um, but it's just yeah. There, there there was a neat wrinkle where they uh, another one of the like astronaut gorilla things, the spaceman came into the story, and he's another kind of bounty hunter, and it's sort of like the like the path not taken, and have two of those guys who went a different route after their their mission to space. So um, it's interesting, and um, if they do another miniseries, I'd be interested to see what he does with it, if it's the same characters or it's that same world. But um, I, I like the way he introduces us to this world and, and how it works. And um, so it's, I don't know, it's, but it's just, it's dragging on a little bit too long. Very quickly, I wanted to just mention the Exile on the Planet of the Apes, number four, which is sort of the follow-up series to the first one that uh, Hardman and Betchko did. Uh, wrapped up in this one and i really i really loved it i think they found uh for having gabe not draw it they found uh, this mark laming guy who oh god yeah that was the big surprise of yeah, this because really, i mean we knew we knew that they could they could write a great ape story but then they're like oh gabe's not drawing it but then this i mean there there are times you know where i had to you look and check was like you can forget yeah you could you just forget about it or like the first the first issue of it i was like are we sure Gabe didn't draw this? <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, if you didn't read these, go back. They're they're a ton of fun, uh, and also, you know, they're gonna the, this team is gonna go on to write the the regular ongoing book. So, uh, oh, nice. with, with Jeff Parker. So do that. Uh, go read. So yeah, it. the f- first arc more political intrigue. This one actually gets into like a full out revolution, yeah. and there's a lot of action Big in fights. it. So that's that's really cool. Uh, National Comics Eternity Number One. Jeff Lemire. Timmy, you you read this? I read this. I um I. I I was excited about this idea of national comics because 
I was looking forward to uh, them highlighting some of the weirder DC Comics characters. You're waiting for um, Plastic Man. <laughs> That's I, what you're waiting for. I would love if Plastic Man got more than just a one shot, but we'll keep our fingers crossed. Anyway, so like I think uh, the DC Universe is full of cool characters like this, and... I was seeing what they were going to bring to the table with it because it is a strange character. And um, it kind of, I feel like they kind of simplified him a little too much personally for my taste. It's very Ghost Whisperer. Yeah, it's and kind of. There's not that much more to it. Let me read yeah. the simplifier. But, but Coley Hammer uh, did, I, I am a fan of his, and he did do a really good job on this issue with his art and his layouts, I thought. Yeah. So. He's, he's an artist's artist. He's great. Yeah. Um, so that's what we thought of the books that we picked out this week. Uh, but we also like to highlight yeah. some of the stuff that, that other people did. Um, but we're going to start with the top five picks of the week by percentage by the iFanboy.com community. Uh, Paul, you want to read them out? Sure. Uh, coming in at number five, uh, Aquaman number 11 came at 3.6%. Uh, four, Transformers More Than Meets the Eye ongoing number seven, 4.8%. Three National Comics Eternity number one thirteen point five percent. Two Uncanny X Force number twenty eight twenty point one percent. And uh, my personal favorite Manhattan Projects number five thirty nine point nine percent. And speaking of uh, the first user review comes from uh, Andrew Gabaret talking about Manhattan Projects number five. Um, story of five out of five and the art of five out of five. It's all divisible by five. Uh, pick of the week percentage. <laughs> it actually went down from the time that I did that part of the script. Anyway, like you said, about 40%, uh, which is which is pretty – I was looking at the polls on this as an image book. It's amazing. Um, wow. Hickman is a sick, sick man. This book is consistently good, and this issue is my favorite, but I think I feel that way about each new issue. Earth's first contact with aliens doesn't go well. Oppenheimer gets the munchies. Werner von Braun finds it all very boring, and genocide is committed. Awesome, awesome book. Pick of the week. Perfect review. That's his whole yeah. review, and and he said everything. Bingo. That, you know, it does. It gets every issue is better than the one before, it, and the one before it was really really good, and and all the same things that were good about it, except there's more good things. They had a first encounter, which ended in a, a shoot off, <laughs> and he ate the aliens, <laughs> and and absorbed their knowledge. I love, uh, and then and then throughout the book, the the ghost or whatever, the the phantom of the alien, the sea is getting in fights with the other Oppenheimers he's eaten. <laughs> I love that background detail. I think that's fantastic. And, um, oh, man, it's, it's, it's gross, weird, super intelligent. I love this book. Even the paper is cool on this book. Yeah. Yeah. I like love it. The paper it, quality is awesome. I also love the uh, after genocide is committed, the, the one alien that's not killed is just like, I'm, I'm just I'm really upset with you guys. <laughs> and and that feels yeah, so this like this is your first time meeting aliens you really fucked up it's like, I'll, I'll see you later like, are you gonna kill us I'm, I'm just really mad right now I'll, I'll see you later okay <laughs> uh, Timmy you wanna take you wanna take a go at this next yeah one? I'll do it Neb he reviewed Aquaman number 11 he gave the story a 3 out of 5 and then he gave the art a 5 out of 5 pick of the week percentage was 3.6% and he says is it me, or does does this storyline feel like it is taking forever? My difficulty here is that I like the idea of the storyline. Getting to know these different characters and see a team that Arthur used to be a part of is really cool. And the fight with Black Manta has been really interesting. With this issue, however, we sort of take a step back from the action to find Black Manta's ultimate motivation. To me, it seems a bit late in the game to have such a big reveal. And I wonder how Johns and company will wrap up the storyline next issue without making it too packed anyone reading this no sorry i, 
Yeah, I, I stopped after. I mean, I really liked the first issue, but then it just it really faded out for me, and I, you know. Well, then the Neb's Neb's assessment will have to stand. There it is. <laughs> there you go. Thank uh, you, sorry thank you Neb. Neb, our Aquaman representative. It's fine. That's why we do it. Sure. It's not just us. It's fine. Uh, All right, and. Uh, now word from our, our sponsor graphically creators and publishers you're looking for a way to get your book in front of as many eyes as possible as easily as possible and graphically has the best solution to do that upload your book comics children's book sketchbook photography book just about anything graphic based and in just a few simple steps you're on your way to getting into amazon's kindle store barnes and noble's nook store kobo and of course the apple i bookstore there's no need to have readers find a specific app just made for reading comics send your readers to the digital bookstores where people go looking for books and with 29% of all adults now owning tablets and e-reader devices and sales in 2011 increasing over 300% from the year before it's over 3 million e-books sold that's a lot of potential customers you can find a full list of pricing and services at our website head over to graphically.com for more details very good thank you I also recommend that but I'm biased uh, I also also really do recommend it. Uh, real quickly, we're going to go and try to tackle an email or two and see what we can do here. Uh, Tom from England writes in and says, I'm emailing from the suspiciously sunny north of England. I'm wondering if you could give me some advice. I'm looking at attending a comic convention next year, and I've never been to one, and fear will be my last chance for years due to work and family life. I know that you get this question a lot, but my first instinct is to go to San Diego Comic-Con, and if I have one chance to attend one, would you say this is the best show? The other question uh, is, and I apologize for using your time as a travel agent. It's cool. Is San Diego a good holiday destination if I extend the trip with my fiance? She's not a reader of comics, but I would like to share the experience with her as a whole package. Uh, are there other cons and cities I should look at before I, I book flights? Um, thank you very much for your time and experience, which I'm making up right now. Wizard World Philadelphia should not be on your list. I agree. Um, <laughs> uh, I've never been to San Diego. I imagine it would be very hectic. Um, but, you know, sunny vacation spot, I guess. Uh, there's, you know, you can hop in the pool. Um, yeah. Um, my, my, just yeah. to, to get me out of the way, uh, my, <laughs> my instinct would be, would be New York. Because um, I think there's a lot of great stuff going on at that convention. It's just, you know. It's not as big as San Diego. There's a lot of publisher presence there, but then there's a lot of things to do. It's New York City. Yeah. It's the it's. It, I was going to say New York as well because um, I know uh, that I have a wife, and if I visit a comic con, she's probably not going to want to go to it. So I, but in this predicament, I also live in New York, so I'm a little biased as well. But I'd also, I mean, Chicago C two E two. Chicago is a great town to visit for vacation as well. Um, so yeah, I would say Chicago or New York. I would not say San Diego, even though I've not been. You're but. you're both wrong. Okay. He sh- he All should right. go to San Diego. No. Because if you've never been before. You should go once because it's something no. like you'll never see before. Other than that, out of all of those places, if you're going to take a vacation somewhere from England, you want to go to Southern California. You just do. It's a beautiful place. He'll burst in the flames. He won't. He'll be <laughs> fine. He's going to use 50-plus SPF, and everything's going to be okay. But what you do is you go, to the, you go to the convention for a couple of days, and then you go stay at the Hotel Del Coronado or somewhere else in Southern California. You stay in a couple of different places, and you see what is some of the most beautiful weather in the world, uh, these sort of lovely landscapes. Um, you're going to experience uh, culture and food unlike anything you're going to see. In, in London, or not in London, but in England, uh, you know, and, and New, New York's sort of an international town, but because of that, it's it's a little gray. There's sort of everything there, and there's so much that it's it's out of the way, whereas Southern California is unlike anything, and, and uh, 
you know, I bet your wife is going to want to go to the place with the beautiful sun and the beach. Um, don't, well, that's sexist. Don't, you, you seem to know his wife very well. It's quite a... It's quite an assumption, Josh. Well, listen. Okay. I'm saying New York has all she, that stuff she, just she, inside. Yeah. New York has a great shop. Maybe your wife likes to shop. You can go. There's so much great shopping. Were there places to buy dolls in New York? Because she might enjoy that in order to get her hair or nails done. No, that's, that's <laughs> just no. I just it's I actually it's I'm not basing it on his wife. I'm basing it on English people I've known, and they love that stuff. English people go to Australia for vacations. They go to South Africa because it's beautiful out, and they're used to rain all the time. Although well, maybe he's been to all those places. Sunny. I understand. In closing, go to go tacos. To go to the Baltimore Con and go Seattle. on the Wire bus tour. If you feel like you're at go home, to go to Seattle. It rains. It's good. I in say Houston, go. Texas, there's a there's Don't a hotel that there. does the, a little con. It's just a tiny little hotel room. It's fine, and then you're in Houston. <laughs> it's what really hot. What do we do? I don't. I don't know. I just want to sit down. That's Let's so, go to Astroworld. Oh it's wait, so hot. <laughs> it's so hot right now. Please help. Uh Deshaun Bowen from Knoxville, Tennessee, writes in and asks, "How much overall power do editors have on a book?" I've heard that some editors at DC were changing a lot of the script based on their books, like Superman and Static Shock. These are rumors, Deshaun. Um, it depends on the book, on the company, on the talent involved, on all sorts of things. There are certainly – I've heard stories, uh, and I think that if you want to look overall at at what's happening with DC Comics, I think that you'll definitely see a – not on all books, but on a lot of books, you'll see a an editorial mandate coming in. A lot of talent got changed out. A lot of uh, A lot of people I was excited about in the beginning put out books that didn't seem to be their best work. Um, I don't know. Do you guys, when you read books, do you, do you tend to feel, do you, do you feel like you can tell an editorial influence? Um, some specifically, I think, uh, uh, Stephen Wacker, I feel like if I, d- even if I didn't want to know what book he was editing, it somehow would come up, uh, I don't know, th- either throughout the book or something. Now that's not like a, a negative thing, but, uh, I, he, he just has a vo- very vocal presence. Um, on the DC side, I can't say as much. Well, it's a plan-defying effect. Yeah. On, on in DC, and I, and exactly. I, you know, I just uh, you want to look at you want to look at somebody like like Mike Costa, who's doing uh, who who was doing the that Blackhawks book, and then look at the work that he was doing on GI Joe, a licensed book, and where he was actually sort of let fly, and then whatever came out when he did Blackhawks, it's like a, it was like a different thing. When he talked about Static Shock, that was the thing the artist or the writer had a whole different story than the writer did or than the artist did, and then the editor did too. Um, and that seemed like a whole thing, and maybe that's just sour grapes. I don't really know, yeah. but I feel uh, like it's just like probably like any job where there's a boss and someone works for under that mm-hmm. person, and they have a project they have to work on, and it changes from. I don't know. I, I think it's very hard project. to. I think it's very hard to parse. It's just like it's it's very very nebulous. You can never tell because, like Josh said, you know, it depends depending on the creative team and which publisher you're talking about. And I mean, sometimes and then like, you know, if if you know of their tendencies and editing philosophy like in in real life you know like you might be projecting that onto it uh yeah there, i, I mean know. there are i've heard stories uh you know it's not a name names thing but I've, I've heard stories about editors who want to be writers you know and they they go through and change tons of stuff and the writers don't hear about it until later uh but i know other you know i know of writers who are control freaks you know i i I can't. I can't imagine somebody doing that to Jonathan Hickman. I mean, yeah. like it's like he'd, he'd fly up there and punch them. 
Uh, maybe not literally. It, it does feel like it's harder to see an editorial um, mandate on books written by people with very, very strong voices, Auteurs. like Jonathan Hickman or Brian Bendis or uh, or um, Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison, that sort of thing. Yeah. If they're anything like the editors that I fanboy, they're amazing. I like to go into Timmy's articles and randomly insert the word pumpkin into one of the sentences and just. It like, always helps. Always and you see, you know what? I, I never know the difference because once right. I write something, I never look at it again. There you go. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Okay, we have uh, – if you want to write in, uh, contact at iFanboy is the place to go for that via your email. We have time for one quick voicemail. Let's give it a listen about the Birdman. Hey, guys. This is Ryan from Worcester. I was just finished reading the Falcon miniseries from the 80s, and if the iFanboy hasn't read that, they probably should because that's got almost everything. I'm reading to – the Falcon doing all sorts of shit. But the one thing I have to ask is, is the Falcon a mutant? I see somewhere that, you know, people think his connection to his bird, Red Wing, might be a mutant power. And he does fight a Sentinel for an entire issue in this miniseries, which if you haven't read, you should read. So I just want some clarification if you guys know, or if you want to guess. Do you think the Falcon is a mutant? I I I looked up this answer. I will say my guess was correct, but I thought I'd I'd. What do you think of Sam Wilson, the Falcon? Is he a mutant or is he not, Paul? He's a were Falcon. <laughs> he, he's a were were Falcon. He's so half avian. He was bitten. He was bitten by a by a bird. Yeah, of prey. Didn't get his shot quick enough. Wow. So you got powers. That's that's not correct. Okay. That's not. Timmy? Uh, it's a trick question. He is both a mutant and also a superpowered being. And um, and uh, one day he, 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 he still hasn't decided which his powers came from. It's this nebulous uh, thing in his – I have no idea. Well, he's part nuts. of it is he's really patriotic, right? So that lends to – Wait, is the costume power. is the costume part of his skin? Like it just that those wings drape off him like that? Then, no, it's then a, yeah, he's a mutant. It's well, you only ever see him on a full moon. Wait, wait, what's what about the falcon that flies with him? Is red, that red a mutant wing. falcon? No, just a bird. An animal. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, he is not a mutant. I was right. I was right. Okay, he is not. What is he? he is a regular human, and the Red Skull used his cosmic cube to form a bond. I don't. I, I, I lose the details of this, but to form a bond between uh, Sam and the bird, because I think he was trying to control him at one point, and then uh, that stuck around, and then it, it actually grew. That Sam now what possible use could Red Skull have for him to have a telekinetic <laughs> he, he, he bond? Wants to make him a superhero. He's trying to screw with 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 Steve Rogers. I, I'm I'm pretty. That's everything. Your friend can talk to birds. Right. Uh, and then feel so super soldier now. It developed that Sam could now uh, see through uh, the eyes of all birds. So he says, you know, I, I can see through half a million birds' eyes right now. It took him a little while to figure out uh, how to use that properly. And his wings are completely artificial. <laughs> so basically he, just saw, he saw a bunch of uh, – he rescued a bunch of old ladies that had fallen down. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. He's, a much, he's a much hipper version of the vulture. Uh, that's basically how that works. Um, but he's, you know what? He's a great character. Uh, the sure. He's the second or third major uh, African-American character in, in superhero comics uh, after Black Panther. And I think... Interesting. And I also read, interesting tidbit, his brother 
was the first it said uh, character with openly with HIV. And that's, <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of hidden guys out there uh, fighting the disease bravely, apparently. <sighs> um, but he's gone now, I guess. Tidbits, information, stuff like that. <laughs> That's uh, what we're here for. That's what we're here for. We have Falcon Cast. <laughs> there were not a lot of good voicemails this week. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, we have other podcasts besides this one. Like Did the Sam I- find out from the bird? <laughs> like a little bird told me you've got a problem, man. We should talk he, about it. He could it. if a sparrow had been hanging out there or a pigeon. Actually, does Sam say a little bird told me a lot? Because he should. He should. Like to, 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 to excess. Like he's sitting there with the the results from the blood test, you know, in his armchair, and there's like a parrot up in a birdcage next to him, and and then you see the next panel, Sam's like crying because he sees through the parrot's eye. Do you think uh, every time every time Sam fly, is about to fly off with the bird, Steve Rogers goes "birds of a feather," like it's the first time he said yes. the joke, well, and it, Sam just gets really upset about it? What they do is they're constantly trying to say things that would signal the end of the episode of a sitcom. <laughs> but but it's in real life, so it's always it always lands awkwardly. One in the hands, we're two in the bush. And then they look and they wait for a music cue that never comes. <laughs> and, it's, and it's very weird. Plus, you know, he's always got birds around, so there's just shit everywhere. <laughs> Falcon and Steve are filmed for a live studio audience. That's what that's what would be sit, the beginning of this. <laughs> we have other podcasts like the Don't Miss Podcast, which I think won't happen this week. Right. As far as I know. Um, it really, I'm telling you, San Diego knocked us off our axis in every possible way. Uh, but it will be back the week after that. Uh, and the Make Comics podcast, which will be back this week. I can tell you that. Uh, they're both uh, short. Uh, Don't Miss is on Mondays. We talk to a creator about a book that's going to be coming out that Wednesday. And Make Comics is on Wednesday. And it'll, it'll focus on some specific aspect of making comics. Both shows, you know, 10, 15 minutes long, short bite. Uh, we're very proud of them. So uh, look out for them to come back. Paul, take us home. Check out ifanboy.com for the Pick of the Week review and more in-depth comic book discussion and all the important news and discussion topics. Go to ifanboy.com slash about to see the staff of ifanboy and their social network links. Follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy and stay in touch on facebook.com slash ifanboy. The video shows are coming back, people. Not not for good. I don't want to. Hold on. Tell them that. That was, that was <laughs> awful. They are. We have video shows now. They're interviews from San Diego. Uh, we've still got a bunch left. Uh, so so watch out for even more coming up. Uh, they tend to get better as we keep going. But there's already been a bunch of really good conversations. The the Rucka show and the and the Wade show. It was uh, very good. I really enjoyed the Rucka show. Yeah, stood out for me. Uh, but but you may have your own preferences, and that's cool. We tried to talk to as many people as we find interesting in San Diego. So um, keep your eye out for those. There's a new one every day for the next week at least. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys, uh, which is three two six two six nine seven, with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, uh, whether you want to know what kind of adventures Sam and Fal- uh, Steve and the Falcon would go on on their sitcom, you can I call wish, us about I wish, that. I wish the book was called Steve and the Falcon. Steve, Steve and the Falcon. Falcon. <laughs> That'd be a better book. <laughs> Um, if you uh, if you like the show, uh, write a review on iTunes for this show or any of the other podcasts. Um, it, no matter how many are in there, uh, it does our vanity a lot of good. Uh, but also, you know, it just it helps uh, push us to the top more often, which is good because it means that we get to keep making them. There it is. It's an ultimatum. 
deal with it. Uh, better yet, uh, you are our marketing team. You are our street team. Get out there. If you see something you like, if you uh, want to link from th- something from the site on your social media, we, we really appreciate that. Tell people about it. Uh, talk about the things you like. Not just us, but comic books, everything. Um, that's how comics work these days. Uh, you, you put, put, a, put a couple of episodes on a thumb drive and, and tie it to the leg of a, of a falcon, <laughs> some kind of raptor, bird of prey. Of your nearest you see person, telepathic is linked. Don't do that. <laughs> Aging hipsters arrested for tying USB drives <laughs> to homeless people. Story later at 10. Uh, so that's it for the show. Uh, as uh, as Timmy can attest, it goes awful fast once you start. Um, I, I, I'm Josh. Uh, uh, before we get going uh, on your way out, uh, Timmy, where can people find you? What you do? You have, you have things to plug? I feel like um, you do. Sure, I can, I can plug a few things. I'm on Twitter at, at Timmy Wood. You can find me there. I also do videos, funny sketches with my beautiful wife. You can find that at on Tumblr at tumblr.com slash Julie. And I have my own podcast called Coffee Jerks, which is a ton of fun. And that's it. And also I write a I write an article called Comic Book Job Evaluations on ifanboy.com. Which is my favorite thing that we do these days. It's it's a lot of fun. Um Paul, what you give you 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 do some sort of show? I do some stuff. Uh, the podcast uh, called Fuzzy Typewriter, uh, where we talk about stories, storytellers, art, and artists. And uh, recently, we talked about what, all the Alien movies. Uh, we talked about that HBO show Girls. Uh, Josh was on. We talked about Game of Thrones. We got, um, we got, we got, all kinds of good stuff. We got, we got one. I don't know up. what the next one is. We got one. Um, and up. if you want to follow my antics, I'm on Twitter as Fuzzy Typewriter. Very good. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, I, I can I can freely say I like you both better than either of the other people I normally do this with. Um, but that, that's, I really don't like them at all, so it's not. Yeah, that's true. It's well, not a that, lot. That's who does? Uh, they're they're really awful. But we can talk <laughs> about that some other time. And uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>